In this episode, we get to speak with designer and front-end developer, Nicole Dominguez. Be intentional and what it's like being a digital nomad. Welcome to Thunder Nerds. I'm Brian Hinton. I'm Janelle Pizarro. And I'm Frederick Philip Von Weiss. And thank you for consuming the Thunder Nerds, a conversation with the people behind the technology that love what they do. And do tech good. good. Hey, and uh, speaking of doing tech good, we have a sponsor for the show this year, Pantheon.io. They are helping us do tech good. So thank you, Pantheon. Uh, Pantheon supplies a platform for Drupal and for WordPress. They have dev, tests, and live environments. You can easily back up your stuff automated every day. It's a really cool service. So go check it out at Pantheon.io. Yeah, Frederick knows that's good because he uses it. Yeah, I use Pantheon every day. I pretty much live in Pantheon uh, a good portion of my day. So yeah, I enjoy Pantheon. So thanks, Pantheon. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have you been nominated as a hero yet by any chance? I actually am. Yeah, I'm starting to build up my profile on Pantheon right now. Woo! That's exciting. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. But yeah, I'm, I really oh. enjoy evangelizing uh, Pantheon. Good stuff. Oh. Well, maybe yeah. you can uh, share the love on here later on when you have that uh, hero page up. Yeah, absolutely. It certainly will. And you know, we also need to thank Front End Design Conference. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Gene. We were just there, right, Brian? Yeah, it was fantastic. We uh, met and hung out with some amazing people, some great talks. Uh, uh, we we did our first talk there, and it was, I mean, incredible. I mean, Frederick fell off stage a couple times, but you know, he got back Real. up. Yeah. <laughs> three times, three times. <laughs> uh, yeah, and some amazing talks. Uh, but um, hung out with people afterwards. It's just great networking, man. Oh, I was sad that our, our guest actually wasn't there. But I know. <laughs> I appreciate Gene and all of them having us out there, having us, uh, you know, do the live stream uh, and talk with all the speakers. It was, it was great. Yeah, thank you so much, Frenin. So you. let's go ahead and get to our guest. We have designer, front-end developer, Nicole Dominguez. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Woo-hoo, woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're super excited to talk to you. Yeah, you, we, I think, I, I know I met you at least at Front End Design Conference a few years ago. Um, I'm not sure where everybody else knows you're from. Yeah, same for me. Yeah. yeah, I think the conference, I've been going for a few years. Actually, like when I was a teenager, I had found out about it and I wasn't old enough to go by myself. So I like, tried to convince my mom to take me. Not like she didn't really understand, Aww. and I didn't know how to explain. Like I want to go to this conference, so mm. I've been dying to go for such a long time. And then I ended up going finally as an adult, and I kept going ever since. So except for this last year, I missed it. <laughs> yeah, a no, few of us on Twitter have uh, have written how we missed you there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not that I wanted to miss it, but actually, I was co-organizing um, a conference in Denmark, and I had only like three or four days between that co- flying back and then front end, so I did, couldn't make it work. Just with all the flying and traveling and just organizing that conference, I kind of missed out. This is the Django conference, right? Yeah, the Django conference. So DjangoCon Europe, um, there's a U.S. version and then the European version. So I helped out with the European version and it was fantastic. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. That's yeah, well, yeah, let's dive into that a little bit later. Let's. I, don't, I think, why don't we first build up a little bit and uh, get, get to know you for people that might not know your story and all that and what you're doing. You're, you're freelancing right now, is that right? Yeah, um, I'm a freelancer consultant, so I kind of do front-end development and UI design stuff for clients. So it can kind of range between any part of the spectrum. It really depends on the project. Um, but yeah, so right now I am wrap, like winding down some projects and starting some new ones. So one of them is starting kind of like this week called the Shorty Awards. They are an award show for social media. I used to work there, and now I'm kind of freelancing because just because I'm so familiar with the website, like I built half of it, so it's really easy for me to come in, like make changes and make updates. So the show is actually tomorrow, so I have a lot of work to do today and <laughs> like deploying and updating the site and stuff like that to get ready for tomorrow. Um, but that's like a front end slash back end thing. Like it's on Django, and I'm really familiar with Django, so I can. Do, I'm doing a bunch of like back-end work in addition to front-end work and design work. 
all the things. And Jane, you're literally a superhuman. <laughs> and, and Jago's all, it's Python, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a web framework built on Python. Um, and at that job, this was like five, six years ago, maybe, is where I was introduced to it and really learned it. So I'm kind of happy to be going back and like fixing all my mistakes and code and stuff like that. Is that your preferred Aww. place to live in? Do, do you really enjoy that technology over others or? I do, yeah. And I've had the privilege of working with Django for the, the majority of my professional career up to now. Like my previous long-term contracting gig was with a company called Lincoln Loop and they are like Django experts. Um, and they're a really big player in the Django space. I was really happy. I was so excited to just apply because I read it and I was like, this describes me perfectly. Like a you know, designer doing, but the title was like UI developer. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I am. I can't wait to do this. And so I was kind of hired immediately. And I've been working for the past year. And so we do like contracting work for clients. Um, like our client, I've done client work for UNICEF, Planned Parenthood with them. So it's been a really nice gig. Um, but the work is kind of shifting. So I'm moving on to other things now. But yeah, I, I prefer the jingle. So you're, you're like changing the world with code, like legitimately changing Sometimes. the world. Sometimes. <laughs> I try. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> yeah, amazing. I mean, the stuff for Planned Parenthood that we were doing is kind of like uh, we did a voter guide. So I did like they, the designer was a good of us mockups, and that would be the one to kind of do all the front end work and then hand that to back end developers. So I was kind of like the only person doing that. So that was really fun to work on like animations and just like implementing their design and working on a design system and kind of creating things for end users. Like the last project I just did for them is like doing a quiz. So creating tools for anyone on this at the organization to create quizzes like what's the right birth control for me or something like that kind of like instead of creating one quiz it's a system to create as many quizzes as they wanted so that was fun too to make like a reusable system in Django and we also did view so that was nice so what do you uh you said it's your preferred uh system to work in what why 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 <laughs> Yeah. Um, the Django space, everyone is just so nice and so welcoming and so kind. And I think just interacting with people at conferences and stuff like that kind of made me realize like this is where I feel most comfortable, but also because that's where I was able to learn the most back in development type of work at my previous job. So it I just kind of fell into it and stayed there. Like I, I ended I ended up starting um uh, I ended up co-running the Jingle Meetup in New York and also doing Jingle Girls. So uh, as that kind of went on, I just kept going further and further. I never got into like Rails or anything like that because in my career, in my jobs, I've just never been afforded that chance, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I played around with it back, oh God, a long, well, I think almost when it first came out. I remember really liking the uh, the, the back end of it, the interface, like the, pre-built interface that came with yeah, it. The admin. Yeah, the admin was really nicely designed. So is it, how hard is it, how approachable is it? For me, it was easy to understand. Like my boss at the time was like, I'll teach you all you want to know, but you have to do the tutorial first. Like you have to read the documentation. I didn't want to. And so I ended up doing it anyways. And it was, it was not hard. Like they, they do a really good job of explaining, you know, the, how it works and how to set it up. And um, after I did it, I was super engrossed in it just because we had, I had a code base to refer to. Like, it wasn't like I was inventing a project out of the sky. Like I wanted to learn how models worked and how the database works. I could just look at the project we were working on and fiddle with it and kind of understand, okay, this is how this function works. This is how that works. And so that really made a big difference because I was implementing all that I was learning every day you know it wasn't like a, it was some side project that i only got to learn on the weekends it was kind of like an everyday thing i was pair programming i was um doing all that stuff so and also to the like the community itself is approachable like there's this whole jingle girls organization where we do one day workshops where we teach women um not until had a code but like kind of showing them that code and development is approachable so in one day you go from not knowing anything about anything to like deploying a web app which is kind of crazy because <laughs> it's that's there's a lot that happens but the stuff is written so well and there's so much time and resources that go into it that it is approachable enough where anyone can do that even my mom did it once um so i yeah <laughs> how did that how did that work out it was good um it was 
at Django conference in Philadelphia maybe like a few years ago and we were she met me in Philadelphia to like do some traveling and then I was like I'm volunteering at this thing you should just come and do the tutorial and then after that like she was like I know the terminal I was like yes you do awesome. <laughs> so oh I mean, gosh, I do it now but I think it did increase like awareness of like what I do and not yeah. like kind of more programming concepts that's so. super awesome yeah I've heard uh Pythonista on iPad Actually, you're able to install Django. I just want to say Django, Django, and, <laughs> uh, and run it on from an iPad and like develop for it. So it's very, oh, cool. it's very accessible on like every platform, which is pretty cool. Do, do yeah. you mind if I ask you, Nicole, what what's some of the advantages of it over any other technology? Like, if if you could name like two things. The thing about Python is that it's very universal. Like if you know Python, you can kind of, you can go straight into a web app. You can do like scraping, you can do data. I don't know what stuff. So it's not just like where you learn this language, like you're stuck on the web. You kind of take that and go a lot of places. So a lot of people know Python, so they feel comfortable going to something like Django instead of something like Rails, um, just because that, that familiarity with the language is there. But also Django is like, it's it's not a super tiny framework, but it gives you just enough to get going easily. Like it, it comes with authentication. It comes with, you know, these. It comes with the admin. It comes with all these things where you can kind of get going pretty fast. And then also on top of that, there's this really good ecosystem just of the packages that are available and maintainers that work on it and volunteers and just conferences where there's a lot going on where you can kind of find a package for virtually anything and you can kind of get going really fast. Um, and also it's it's I like it because it's not opinionated about your front end. Like you can choose to just make an API and to have like a JavaScript front end, or you can go to have templates and have that as your front end. You know they're not opinionated about like you must use an asset pipeline, you must use SaaS. Like that, there's none of that in it. You have the choice if you want to use SaaS, if you want to use Stylus, if you want to just use plain CSS. You know, whereas Rails, I felt like you were kind of like pipelined into. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Good, good. No, sorry. Go uh, for it. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny that you say that though, because I, I noticed now it that like Rails is starting to go down that path, but you know, Python and Django has been that forever. And Python was my first language, really, uh, that I used. I built a plugin for an app called Blender, the 3D application, and it was everything was Python. So it's the first first language. And I, yeah. I never really went back to it after that, after that, sadly, because the HTML, CSS, there's so much to learn. It's technology is amazing. Yeah, and people also get to experience Python in high school and college too. So I think that kind of helps with the whole ecosystem thing where so many people are using Python and it's not like a scary language to them. It's yeah. I think that helps with the accessibility. Yeah, it's definitely a approachable. Do you think that kind of helps with that, you know, you had like a whole movement of uh, being a digital uh, nomad. Do you think that kind of like, you know, freedom to uh, be the kind of developer you could be um, helped with uh, growing that kind of, um, you know, way to work? I don't know if Python specifically did that per se, but it did open the doors in terms of like, for example, my first, the first time I ever went to Europe was for a Django conference. You know, that was like my reasoning excuse to go. So that kind of opened doors there. But um, I, I, I suppose it does do some in terms of my marketability to clients or it's just easier to get gigs sometimes. But I don't know if I can say like, yeah, Python is the reason I did this. Um, but I don't know, I've also had a long career. So I feel like that plays into the hireability as well. So, I mean, I don't really know exactly. I think it's a lot of different things that kind of play into the traveling. Um, I don't know if they answered your question. <laughs> do, do you mind if I ask you, since since Janelle brought this up, it's a really interesting topic that I, I know you've been asked about a lot, is how did you get into this uh, digital nomad um, situation? How you're, you're traveling the world. From my understanding, you left with your mom to, uh, to a Mexico. different country and to Mexico. Okay, so you left to Mexico and, and you've been traveling ever since. And you know, you come into the States here and there, but uh, so yeah. what, was the, uh, what was the reason to start traveling? Um, it, I was having a quarter life crisis, which I have like once a year. Um, and when, when I am in that kind of feeling of like, what do I do with my life? I don't, I, I run, I start running. Um, so 
in that at that time I was maybe like 21 or something I was so young I had I'd only taken like one other international trip because my roommate at the time was a photographer he's still travel. he was in China like two days ago he's still traveling like crazy so he was doing like a a mileage run and he asked if I wanted to go he said I have really cheap tickets to Singapore do you want to come and I'm like yeah sure I, I'm not doing anything else I'll go to Singapore with you and I felt comfortable because it was a good friend of mine and I knew like he wouldn't let me get like lost or anything. <laughs> I was like 20 at the time. I don't think I was old enough to drink. So we went to Singapore and that kind of really opened my eyes. I was like, wow, this is not that hard. This is not that scary. People speak English, lots of places. I can work from here. And so that kind of made me feel more comfortable with the idea of like traveling as a whole. Like before that, I was never that interested in going anywhere. I, I don't know why. I was just like learning how to adult at the time. <laughs> um, and so after that kind of, that put the idea in my head a little bit. And I also had met other digital nomads too. I kind of like asked them a million questions. Like, how do you do this? How does it work? And then after, so at the same time, right? So after that, I was in crisis and I decided, okay, I'm just gonna, I have like a breakdown at work. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna quit my job. I'm gonna sell my stuff and I'm gonna leave because I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and so that's what sparked it. And so, since then, yeah, my mom was also like some really, crisis she was also like her, her job and she started um doing design work not freelance but kind of like entrepreneurial like she has an etsy store and does graphic design work and so i was like let's just go somewhere because we can work from our laptops and so yeah we went to mexico and that kind of kicked off the whole three years of an adventure that it's been yeah that's awesome to start your journey with, with family that's it's very, I would say, very special to you know begin that part of your life, you know, with someone like that. Yeah, it helped a lot too because she spoke better Spanish than I did. So, I mean, eventually in the past few years, I have picked up my Spanish a lot better. But at the time, I was kind of like embarrassed and didn't really know left from right, and I was like, help. So she, it was really good that she was there because at least we could get around and we weren't like seen as tourists really. And because she did speak really good Spanish, yeah. it was just easier to fit in better kind of with the locals and not because I've never been to resort you know we don't do that stuff I've never done a cruise we always do the Airbnb local town route and we were kind of like make friends with locals so that's what, how we like to travel and that really helped just because the first country we went to was like a majorly Spanish-speaking country so yeah I'm really glad that she was there to like make it less scary <laughs> well you really absorb the texture of the of your surroundings when you do that and you by immersing yourself in, in in the culture and i think one of the great things that probably um maybe uh affected your work is being out of that local bubble that we all kind of live in where we're in some kind of city whether that's St. Pete, San Francisco, what have you, but being able to travel and have those kind of life experiences, those life textures really brings something different to your understanding of um, accessibility, like, like looking at different, how people use different devices around other countries or bandwidth, or just how people interact with certain kinds of patterns. Do you mind kind of going into a little bit of those experiences and how those changed your work for the better yeah totally you're right it was so eye-opening to realize and experience like 3g internet you know not being able to just like down like load like my banking page or, or, or like an important app like google maps like that was really eye-opening in terms of just like bandwidth and speed in general um like even if I got the best cell phone plan, there's still some areas in Mexico where it's so remote, like you're not getting any coverage whatsoever. And if you do get coverage, um, it's it's you can hardly do anything, you know. And even just like even at cafes, like my my mom ended up buying a house there, and where we bought the house in Tulum, there's very the infrastructure is not suitable to really do remote working. It's not the kind of place where there's I don't even think there's a co-working space, you know. So that really opened my eyes in terms of like how people who live there every day, their whole lives interact with the internet and even technology as a whole. Like there what there was no Apple store, there was no Best Buy, there was, you know, those things don't exist. Like and even other parts of Mexico too, like Mexico City, um, you you can buy your electronics on the street from a street dealer and it's like a person that has like a whole tent and like like lined with Chinese knockoffs of like headphones and chargers and like that's how that's the accessibility of technology. Yeah, there are stores like Walmart, but those are the places you see every day, almost like a bodega. And they lie in the streets sometimes, and sometimes that's the easiest way to get 
a cable or a charger or a case or whatever, you know, instead of where if it were me, I would just go to eBay, you know, or Amazon, but it, it doesn't exactly work the same way there. So that was also eye opening. Um, and also too, like just seeing like, um, for instance, the, the mobile internet packages that were offered. It was, you know, the lowest packages had a little bit of data and the majority of the data you got maybe unlimited for WhatsApp, you know, instead of Absolutely. unlimited data, you had unlimited WhatsApp and that's how people communicate. And that was also really eye-opening too. Cause like once I started traveling, I switched to only WhatsApp because it's um, any, it's any device you can have iPhone or Android doesn't change the experience at all. You get that two way communication with like, um, like read notifications and also phone calls. Um, and that's how you can talk for free. Like, um, if I was in Mexico, I wanted to call my family in the States, I'd use WhatsApp because otherwise my phone carrier would just charge me so much. Yeah. International so, fees. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how the majority of people who kind of have families abroad or, or whatever communicate. And that was like, wow. Like I moved, I went from my message to WhatsApp for that reason, because it was just so impactful and serious. And, and even just like walking on the street and seeing like signs written on cardboard for the cell phone store and it's saying like, yeah, I'm limited to WhatsApp for this amount of money, but like one gig of data. And I was like, whoa, like where the packages were focused on these apps. It was like maybe like a, a social media package or it was like Facebook, WhatsApp, mm. but I don't know what else, you know, yeah, for free. Yeah, that's what they're trying to prevent in the U.S. And it's, it's yeah, I've even heard stories. You mentioned Amazon and eBay. I've heard uh, stories from friends about uh, how shipping like is just a joke in most countries. Like, yeah. there's there's no tracking. It arrives when it arrives. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, in Europe, it's not so bad. Like, I spent some time in Germany and Berlin. It's actually um, their Amazon, their lockers. So that's nice. Where at least you know the package will get there and you know where it is. But in Mexico, where our house is, we don't have an address. I've had people ask, like, because we do Airbnb, I've had people ask their address. I'm like, I don't have one. I can't give you that. I can give you a pin on a map. That's what we have. I, we have never gotten a single piece of mail ever. Oh, wow. Because there, there, there's, there's no number on the house. You know, there, that doesn't exist on where the house is. It's like a lot in the middle of the jungle. And the, <laughs> our road is not even paved. Wow. Like, it's that oh, wow. kind of remote. It's nice, though. You get away from it all. Exactly. And that's that's what it, it's a vacation rental for that reason. But the infrastructure, like you said, is a joke. I don't even know if I wanted to order an Amazon package. I don't know how I would do it. I have no idea. I would just have to buy it in Miami and fly back back and forth, you know, because the flight is only one hour. So it's easy to do that. But other, other than it, that, I don't know. Is there uh, a, a concept like uh, um, post office boxes that you could do? Like, you know, I have a post office box over at the store. Uh, in Mexico, mm -hmm. there is, and so in Tulum, which is a tiny town where we have a house in, there's one travel agency that will accept your packages. But it's not like post office. It's not like, uh, wow. it, it's not run by the government. Like that stuff, no. There, there, I've seen a post office. I don't know where they deliver. I don't know. I maybe you pick up your packages there, but whatever it is, it's not like a widely seen concept because I still don't even know. Like, we, like we have friends who've lived there their whole lives, and I don't even know how they get mail. You know, like mail is just not not a thing in that area, and that's why I mentioned yeah. the whole you buy your technology off the street from like people who buy stuff from China because sometimes that's the only accessibility you have um in terms of like day of and not waiting for shipping or even go driving somewhere far away to find technology do you have any kind of stories about or narrative that include some of your experiences out of the country that were applicable to a project you were working in within the last say six months um I don't think so just because my work is remote regardless. So like for instance, with Lincoln, my, my last contract, everyone that worked there was remote. I had colleagues in France and Germany in the Netherlands and the US, anywhere, you know? So because we were so remote, the actual project, like where the project was didn't matter as much. Um, but no, I don't know if I can say anything in the last six months, but um, I definitely meet people abroad. Like I. I'm pretty good at networking, connecting with people. So I definitely have leads and gigs that do come from that, but it's not specific to like, I went to Mexico and I did a project in Mexico or anything like that. 
Yeah, that must be great because you get to, excuse me, Brian, because you get to build a lot of your, um, probably your your clientele or, or people that you said that you, you freelance with from all these different locations, literally around the world. Yep. Yeah. I had an inquiry from someone the other day that I met in Mexico. Um, yeah. And even just friends too. Like I've, I have friends that I met, I've met in Mexico that I met up with in Germany that we traveled to Amsterdam that we did like a Euro trip type thing. And it's just kind of crazy how I don't think we planned to be there at the same time, but we were there at the same time. And because I have these connections from all over the world, it was, you know, that kind of grows and extends and, you know, you kind of build friendships that last and, you know, maybe I, I met them at a conference and it turned into like this long friendship and where we did some traveling together. We met up in another continent and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, in terms of that, I do really enjoy traveling for that reason because when you leave America, you just kind of realize like how different things are and, and why we build for accessibility and why we build responsibly and why performance is important. Because without that, I mean, I was doing it beforehand, but I didn't understand like fully why yeah. and then once i started having i was like oh okay this is this is why it's important i need to really make sure like our images are as small as possible you know stuff like that because i know the pain of like trying to load a website and not just not loading ever yeah that, yeah that's one of the things that I'm, i've always thought doesn't make sense about the the direction actually the web's been going where it's becoming more client like processing intensive instead of server so now because a person needs to have a good computer, needs to have good internet, needs to like it. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, are there any challenges that you've uh, uh, had with you know being uh, like a nomad? Like you know things like insurance and uh, your health and uh, yeah, you know, the internet connection you're talking about. Like you know. Yeah, um, actually, health insurance. I was really lucky. I found a company that does international health insurance, which is fantastic Ooh. honestly i like got hurt in mexico i like broke my foot or whatever i had to go to the emergency room and the whole oh. thing was covered um so and it actually was cheaper than what i was paying in new york and it covers me in any state in any country for anything oh, wow. like to be medically evacuated so even if I just need like prescription just to see a doctor. So I was really lucky that I, I did, I mean, I did a lot of research to find it, but once I found it, I was just lucky enough to qualify and that I could afford it. And I still have it now that I'm in the States. They cover me for six months out of the year. My year just started um, in May. So I have another six months of that and I might just stay with it because I can, I can go to any state, you know, and, and be covered and be able to go to the hospital, even just to see like a primary doctor. Like the, the concept of states is not a big thing for this specific insurance. Who who, who is what? Um, who is Cigna, it? Cigna Worldwide. Okay. So they have a huge network here in the wow. states too. Like in the states, it's billed as a PPO. So as long as it's someone in network, I can kind of I can go and I've seen the primary doctor. I've gotten prescriptions. I, anything you know, it's like it's like normal insurance. And I've done in Florida and New York. You know, so I, I really like that. So that hasn't been a huge challenge, but it has been a challenge in terms of like, sometimes you don't know what doctor you can go to. Like I've done, I've gone to a lot of doctors in Mexico for like various things. Um, and sometimes you have to do your research in terms of like finding someone that can help you because it's, it's not, this medical system is not the same. Um, mm -hmm. Like so, sometimes in Mexico, it's still more privatized. Like if you can afford it is when you go to the better doctor, like, um, so stuff like that, I have to kind of find the right person or, or if the help I get initially is maybe not the answer and I have to kind of keep going and keep going and find the answer. Um, but medical care is available. Like if you have a basic problem, like something you go to urgent care for over there, um, the really cool thing is you can go to most pharmacies and see a doctor for $2 and they can wow. like, just give you advice on like, Oh, you have this stomach problem. We think you should take this. I mean, it doesn't answer your problem necessarily if it's a bigger issue. They, they can't really run diagnostic tests, but you do get like an opinion from a professional if it's something like a cold or a flu or something like that. So that was always really cool just to have that available. Like one time I got like a rash um, from like a plant or something, you know, and they were able to just like really quickly, like at Walmart, <laughs> offer <laughs> like advice. Oh, we sh you think you should take this, take it once a day, et cetera, stuff like that. Um, but in terms of problems, yeah, like I didn't really realize it until recently, but like productivity has been a big issue for me. And only when I moved back to New York 
well, moved back to New York and started like I got a co-working space and then I realized how not productive I was previously and how hard it was to even just like fill three or four hours worth of work. Whereas now I, I can come to my co-working space and be productive from like 10 to like eight, you know, like I can have a really long day and I'm not tired. I'm not, you know, like, cause I'm not moving around and I'm not worried about the internet. I'm not worried about like a key, my keyboard or whatever, like or power. Sometimes power is a problem or Wi-Fi is a problem. Um, or even like most co-working spaces, like I have an app that um, gives me access to a lot of co-working spaces in a lot of different countries. And even with that, they would close early. In Denmark, I think they close at like 4.30 or 5. And like, I'm, that's the middle of my productive time, <laughs> you know? So it, then you're kind of stuck. Um, like I had major problems in Denmark just being able to work because when I, I was there over Easter and the whole, everything shuts down. The library uh, shut down. Uh, I was like, I didn't even know how I was going to work. So that was also an issue. And it's true, like a lot of times with nomading, like more other countries are more religious and that's kind of more a uh, part of the fabric of the culture. Whereas here it is, but it's also not. <laughs> you know, like we learn the concept of like separation of church and state kind of thing. So it doesn't affect us, I think, as much as it would elsewhere. And like also in Germany, everything is closed on Sundays. The wow. super, no supermarkets are open. Not I just mean, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yeah, like the, in order to find a supermarket that's open, you have to like go to like the train station and go to like the supermarket and the train station. It's, it's bad. So things like that um, were hard to deal with, just like learning like cultural differences and, and how people live and, and, and expectations. Like in Berlin, I lived in Berlin for a few months. They, you go shopping at the supermarket like every day, every other day. It's not like you go to Publix, you get a huge cart worth of stuff and you go once a week like that. Cause you have to carry it home, you know, yeah. that's, so that was kind of cool, but also like hard to learn at first. Um, sorry, I'm trying to try Yeah, problem. So, so are you looking to be more lo located in the States now going forward for like another X amount of years? Or are you looking to get back to traveling abroad? Yeah, so I kind of decided recently that I want to take a break from traveling for a year or so, only because uh, I would like to, I just need to catch up on work, health, et cetera, and financially as well too. Like last year I had a problem, um, like legally I needed a restraining order. I was going, with, going through harassment and stuff like that. So that was so expensive for me. It kind of put me in a really deep hole. So I'm trying to just work to get out of the hole um, with all the, like the court, not the court fees, but there's lawyer fees and like time that I couldn't be working because I was in and out of court five times, things like that. Um, that I had to go through. So after that experience, I kind of just want to come back to the States and not be abroad because it was so difficult to get help abroad. Yeah, <laughs> it was so difficult to get help. Like That's um, crazy. I have a restraining order, so this person can't contact me and they were contacting me nonstop and they knew that because I wasn't in the States, I could not get help. And I was being harassed on Twitter via the phone and I called the police and called the police and called the police so many times they told me stop calling because there's nothing they can do for me if I'm not if I'm not physically there. And then I, I got fed up and so I left Germany. I was like, I got to go back and just get help legally. And I went to the police the first thing, like the next day. They said, we can help you. You don't live in the state anymore. And they what? said, don't come back. You have to go to the state you live in. And I'm like, wow. I just got here stop. like a day ago, you know. And then I went to like my, I went to the police station where it happened. I went to my local police station. They're like, we can help you. This is from another state. And this is online. Like, there's nothing we could do for you. So that was so frustrating. I kind of decided, like, I got to fix my problems. I have to, like, stay here. And, and, and not only that, but just work. Like, once I kind of got here, I realized how much more productive I was just having an office, having, like, the, my space comes with monitors. I bring a keyboard. And with that, I could go all day. And I've never, I had, in the past three years, I have not had the experience where I feel like I can work full time. I really thought, before I was not working full time, I was working part time. And now freelancing, I, I, can, I can do a 40 hour week. Before I was like, this is not possible. I don't know how I'm gonna do this. Um, so now I'm just kind of happy to be working and, and getting out of this hole that I'm in and um, finding new work and new clients. And I kind of just want to take a break and 
go to the gym and like do all the stuff. Like I'm trying to just work on myself in a million other million different ways. And I feel like I have to be here to do that just with the the system. Like if I was to move abroad, for instance, like I don't think I'd qualify for German health insurance if I wanted to, you know, I kind of, so that kind of thing. So that's where I felt like in order to really meet these goals that I have and to, to fix my life and to stop running, like, that's another thing. Like I decided like, okay, I can't just keep running from all my problems. I have to like face them. And so that's another thing is like, I didn't have to travel. because so I was like, I don't need to run anymore to like feel better. It, that makes sense. So yeah, absolutely. I, I like traveling still, but this last trip to, to Denmark, I was like, I'm not trying to do this for a long time. I want to get another plane for a long time. It's like, I just, I'm tired. I'm so tired of just like, moving and moving and moving and not having stability, not having structure, not having basic stuff. Like I, I want a desk. I want a house with a desk. That's like my biggest dream in life right now. And so it's the most basic thing, but like I haven't had that in three years, you know, or more. So it's like, I really want some, I want like normal for a little while, for a year or two, yeah. I think. Sorry, it's so beautiful to see like, no, you're totally fine. I don't know if anyone can hear me. I'm um, yeah, I can hear lightning yeah. in this body because I'm currently in Nicaragua. So uh, everything, the internet is not great over here. Um, so um, the it's so beautiful to actually see like, like how you, you go through life, you know, um, even through like social media, right? Like you're very open and you're like, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. Or like, hey, look at my awesome hair day. Like I'm having a beautiful, fantastic hair day. These are my curl products. Like let's talk about it, right? Like it's so beautiful to see like uh, your, your kind of um, just so personable, right? And, and you want everyone to know like, you know, your good days, your bad days. Like how do you go about doing that? And do you recommend that to other people? It's hard because I've dealt with um, good things and bad things as a result of that. I have to be very careful about what I say now just because of the harassment. Like I can't always say where I am because I just don't feel that safe all the time. But in general, it's helped me because that's my personality. You know, that's I've always been that way. Um, and also Twitter for me is is how I communicate with friends. It's, that's, it's a very social place for me personally because I, I kind of grew up on it. Um, I'm 24 now, I'm almost 25, but I've been on Twitter since the past 11 years, something like that. And so that's, my whole career has kind of been not based on it, but if without it, I would be in a different place. I would not be here. M majority of my clients, majority of my jobs have been networking through Twitter um, and things like that. So that's why it's important to me. Um, and, and being personable and being so, some of the visibility um, where I'm talking about more than just code really, really helps in terms of building those connections and getting that work. Like if I only tweeted about CSS, I, I don't think I've gotten, the, would have gotten the work I've gotten um, just in terms of building personal relationships, being able to bond over things like hair products and curl days with certain people. And so I think that that does help in that sense. And it's not like I, I'm not doing this just for the business. Like that's, for me, my business is very personal. Um, I don't run my business like everyone else runs their business. Um, it, it's it's more of an extension of me and my life, right? But it does help and, and I, it's a cycle and it kind of all feeds into each other, the traveling, the everything. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I do it. But also I wouldn't be here without everyone else sharing stuff on Twitter too. Like at the time I, when I was starting how to code, I was 12, 13 and um, getting on Twitter helped me understand the wide landscape of the internet, you know, just because in South Florida, we, there was no tech, tech scene where I was living at the time. There was no meetup. There was no conference. There was, there wasn't anything for me to be able to do in-person networks. So I had to kind of do it online and, and without other people sharing what they knew, I, I, I don't think I would be here. Um, and even with the personal struggles too, like maybe a year or two ago, I saw some, someone I knew I had talked about their mental health struggles and they talked about needing medication. And I was like, I think, I think I need to, to see a doctor. I think I need to get help in this arena because maybe this is the answer to my problems. <laughs> and, and it was, you know, I ended up going to see psychiatrists and therapists and I see someone weekly now over Skype. It's amazing. And I, I am on medication and it has, I did a 180 in my life. I did a 180 just in terms of like 
my energy. Like, I don't want to be in bed all day. Whereas before you, I wanted to be in bed all day. I couldn't even work a full day. I didn't, I couldn't have the energy. It's not like I didn't want to, I just, I couldn't. And so just in dealing with depression and being on antidepressants really changed my life. So, and that was with Twitter, you know, that was like a really shocking, like, moment where I felt like without that I, I don't know if I would have gotten help I don't know if I would have found the strength to like see someone so it's interesting the stigma around mental health that we have in the United States and how people kind of have these weird concepts about it sometimes not all the time yeah. but sometimes within corporate America people look at that as uh, maybe a weakness or something like that but the thing is we all have our issues we all have things and we need to embrace people and not put up these kind of cardboard tanks that, you know, oh, I'm this, I'm that. But it's, you know, we, we all have to deal with life and we all yeah. have our strife and we all have things that, that come up. And yeah, I, to echo Janelle's point, I think it's great that you echo out um, a lot of the things that you go through and it helps others go through the same exactly. things. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like because I was able to, be self-taught, but with resources that other people put out, it's my duty to do the same thing and continue the cycle because without the internet, without open source, without this like open idea of sharing, you know, I just don't feel like I'd be here. And I'm so grateful to just have this career that I have and have been doing it half my life. And, you know, it kind of got me out of where I'm from and, and put me into this path that I would not have otherwise been able to to take on so that's why it's important but yeah to go back to the mental health thing it at the time I didn't know what depression was I didn't know at all what it felt like who had it who went through it how they get help that was not a concept because it's not talked about you know and I, I didn't go to a college or anything like that so a lot of my learning and my experience has to come from Googling and research and Twitter and things like that. So, <laughs> all of the Googling. So, um, yeah, so I, it, it, I don't feel like I've necessarily had a stigma about it, but there is a stigma in our culture where people don't talk about it, you know, and that's why it was, it was I didn't know about it at the time. And it, I think it does need to be more talked about just in the media, in movies, in everything, you know, in everything, everyday life. Well, uh, right now we're uh, running a little smidge low on time. And by we, I mean literally me because I have to jump on a bus and go. Um, <laughs> but um, I wanted to start off uh, some lightning rounds, if that's okay. Hit me. Yeah. How does okay. this work, Janelle? So this is the lightning round. Okay, so essentially what happens is we uh, just like kind of yell really, really loud questions at you. Um, so okay. no. all rapidly um, and you just answer them. Yeah, we yell them at the top of our lungs. I don't know if you know this. This is a new thing. It just started just now. <laughs> and uh, so we essentially ask you all the questions that we couldn't ask you, um, you know, during this whole shebang, right? You ready? Yeah. Okay, I'll start. What is your favorite hair care product? Um, Cantu curling cream, but the kids version, not the adult version, because it's softer. Favorite cartoon as a kid? Um, I liked PBS. I liked. I was like a smart kid. Yeah. Um, favorite cereal or cereal you enjoy? I don't. Now? I don't eat cereal. I don't enjoy it. I don't, I don't like milk. I I will eat it with Ooh. peanut butter though. Like I'll dip a spoon in peanut butter and then dip it into dry cereal and then eat it. But that's the only way I like it. That sounds good. <laughs> If you could only bring one thing on a desert island, what would it be? Um, my computer. <laughs> What's your favorite know. thing about yourself? <laughs> Myself? Um, your favorite thing about yourself? This melanin. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, I, over the years, I've learned to kind of love myself in more and more ways, but I'm kind of glad to just be, like, different and diverse and, like, the way I don't know. I love my curls. I love my skin color. All this stuff. So, I think just the melanin is a major, <laughs> major thing. Tacos or sushi? I love that. Yeah, Brian, that's all you. Come on, Brian. What? Oh, did I not come through? Can no. you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Tacos or sushi? Tacos. I don't. I don't like seafood. Tacos every day, all day. <laughs> <laughs> all day. Literally, yeah. <laughs> 
Do you remember your first line of code? And if you do, what was it? Yeah, I had like um, a, a pet page on Neopets. And then after that, I had um, a cute news PHP blog on someone else's domain. And it was like HTML and CSS and PHP for that blog at like literally 12 years old. <laughs> so that was my first uh, foray into the internet. Nicole, you come I home, it. picture it. It's late. It's right. stormy. It's okay. See Janelle. Love you. I'm living with doesn't my freak uncle. out. Just turns on the lights. Oh. I'm living with my uncle right now, and he's a stuntman. So we have a ton of like stunt TV film stuff around the house. Like there's literally like an, an arm, just an arm by itself, with, like with blood on it, like in the on the dining table, and stuff like that is not weird to me because like we have the wigs all, and all around the house, all kind of filming prop stuff. So I, I, I would just probably assume it was like a prop and turn on the lights. <laughs> nice, I like that. That's a fair enough answer. Uh, absolutely apropos. Yeah. <laughs> I like Brian, that. do you want to do your uh, your question? Um, I actually want to do a, uh, a, well, not, no, actually, no. Let's, let's not this week. I don't really have one this week. Okay, Maybe. great. Sounds like you have something in mind, though. Uh... I wanted to re-ask the Sesame Street question because I'm curious what she she what she but we've already answered it. Uh, have you heard that? Did you hear that episode? Have you seen that 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 tweet about um, who would you rather be stuck at a desert island with? Uh, Elmo, Cookie Monster, Grover, or Oscar the Grouch? Cookie Monster, because he'd know where to find the snacks. Oh it's a desert <laughs> island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, we chose we chose Oscar when we uh, when I asked it previously, and I just think because he's got like a Mary Poppins trash can essentially, he's pulled like ladders and all he's sorts Doctor, of things. Doctor thing. Who. Yeah, so there's yeah, it's clearly like a TARDIS, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Nicole, we're just about at the end of the mm -hmm. show. I'd like to provide you an opportunity to give some kind of words or wisdom, any kind of final. Uh, information you like to uh, hand off to the audience? Anything that you you know you you like to say to people to help inspire them? Deep, meaningful. Doesn't need um, to be existential. Really? Um, yeah, something <laughs> that has been helping me recently. Not even in tech, but has been like to be way for me. I kind of want to spread like intentionality. I think in order to get anywhere, you have to mm. be really intentional about what you want to do, and that I that's been working for me just in my personal life. And having um, affirmations and just having, you know, showing up every day for myself, for others, for the things I want to do. Because I realize, like, being self-employed, nothing will happen unless I do it. Like, the paychecks won't come unless I send invoices, unless I do the work, stuff like that. So um, being intentional about anything and everything that's important to you. And that, it does apply to code if you think about, if you're learning how to code, you kind of have to show, do it every day. You have to be intentional about learning, be intentional about networking, about meeting people, that kind of thing. So that's a major. I love thing. that. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love Hard that. lesson yeah. to learn, but yeah, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that takes the context of time. So great. How can people find out more about you? What's your website address? What's your Twitter handle? I'm very easily Googleable. Uh, my website is just my name, so NicoleDominguez.com. My Twitter handle is so devious. Um, it's two words, but really one word. So I was like not even 13, probably like 11 or 12, and like we had a hamster, and I was like in the car with my mom, like, what should my hand what should my website be? And we were just like thinking, thinking, thinking. And I was like, Yeah, we'll just name it so devious because like our hamster like escapes a lot and he's like a devious hamster, and like that's literally how it came out. <laughs> literally, great. which is absurd because like this is like a professional thing for me now, like adult, and <laughs> oh. I don't even like explaining to people how it came because it's so well at least it's not like uh I don't know, star sparkle sixty seven ninety-eight or something. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> happy there's no numbers anywhere. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people I still know as adults that have email addresses like something something two thousand fourteen. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's why it's lasted so long because it's not unprofessional, but it's not professional. No, it's fun. It's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. I love yeah. it. <laughs> so yeah, I tweet a lot. And yeah. Perfect. Well, we'll put links to those, obviously, in the show notes. Nicole, thank you so much for being on the show. Super appreciate you sharing your time and 
a lot of the learnings and being a digital nomad and sharing your life with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was really fun. Yeah, it's always great to talk with you. And I hope next year or, or soon that we can you know hang out. And yeah, I'm, I'm trying to move. I'm trying to get a job and trying to move. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, we'll see Nicole and St. Pete coming soon. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Thanks, Thank everybody. You. Take care. Thanks for consuming the Thunder Nerds. We honestly and sincerely appreciate you watching and or listening to the show. Please subscribe on YouTube and iTunes. Write us a review. Kick a few stars our way. And above all else, please remember to send your favorite book suggestions to Brian Hinton. I, I like romance novels. They have happy endings. I should have known the Terrator didn't mean us any harm when the Sword of Omens didn't obey me. And anyway, it was just plain stupid to assume it might be bad. Just what the <laughs> fuck am I talking about?